0: Welcome to Hope Community Church's Sermon of the Week. It's our prayer that this message will encourage and equip you to love like Jesus. To learn more about Hope, visit us at hccalive.com. Now enjoy the message. What we celebrate on Easter morning is that we can know a greater love because of the demonstration of love that Jesus has done for us in our place. And of course, Easter morning, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead tells us, the Bible tells us that the same power, the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us as believers and as a result, God not only empowers us to live for Jesus but God empowers us that we can know a greater love. And that greater love that we can know is what God wants for us to also then be able to share with other people. That's how people come to know about faith in Jesus. It's the work that God does in us and through us. And that's what we're going to look at this morning because Resurrection Sunday is something that we celebrate once a year, but Resurrection Living is what God wants to do in us and through us every single day of our lives. And we're going to see that this morning as we look at a text from John's Gospel. I want to invite you to open to John chapter 15. We're only going to look at six verses today, but there's a lot within these six verses. And beginning in in verse 12, we're going to see that Jesus has raised the standard. Jesus has raised the standard of love. And here's what it says in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The text begins when Jesus says, I give to you a command. Jesus has the authority to give a command because he is the son of God. Because Jesus is God, he has the authority to give a command, and he gives this command not just to us today, but originally in the, in the context of this, he's with 12 disciples. He's with 12 disciples who he knew, and they knew him. In fact, there was nobody on earth who would have known Jesus as intimately As these 12 disciples who spent three years walking with him, who spent three years studying what Jesus was teaching and listening to what Jesus was teaching and watching the miracles that Jesus performed and did and taught on the kingdom of God, the disciples were with Jesus through all of that. They knew Jesus. And as they hear Jesus say, I give to you a command, Jesus had the authority to give a command, Because he was God. He is God. And here's what the command is, that you love one another. Now, if we simply stopped with loving one another, that would give us then the opportunity to decide what love means. If Jesus only said, I command that you love one another, we would be able to filter that through the grid of what we understand love to be, and we would be able to decide how we're going to love others. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, I command that you will love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus raised the standard. The reason that this is so important is because the standard of love that the world gives is vastly different than the standard of love that God calls us to. You see, the world would teach us that we can love those who love us, that we should be good to those who are good to us, but really it stops there. And, and really that love is selfishly motivated because it's a love that we can get. It, it focuses on our needs. It focuses on what we want. That's a selfish love. I think, though, if we're honest, we would admit that we're all guilty of that at times. This last week, I had an uh, awesome opportunity to take some time away with my family because it was the, the spring break for our kids. And there is very little that will test your love as a parent. Like spending 168 straight hours with your kids. That will test your love. Jesus spent three years with his disciples. He spent three years with them. He, he knew them intimately. Of course, he has the advantage being God. He, he knew the things that they were thinking and not just the motives of their heart or the way that they lived. He knew every single thing about them. We don't have that advantage when we're with other people. We can assume motives at times or we can... Uh, study the way that somebody is living and and begin to to draw parallels or conclusions. But Jesus knew everything. And yet he raises the standard. He tells them, you are to love one another as I have loved you. And when we reflect on the love that Jesus has and had for his disciples as he's saying this, I think of the way that he cared for them. He consistently spent time with them and, and cared for their needs. When when there was a need for food, he met it. When when there was a need for the storm to be calmed in the boat because otherwise the wind and the waves were going to sink them, Jesus was there. Jesus met their needs at every single turn. But how many times do we read in the Scriptures that the disciples met the needs of Jesus? We don't see that. We see where the crowd had a need, There there was a need for someone to be healed or there was a different type of need. And Jesus, again, he met that need. Why? Because there was a love within him for humanity, for people. And that love demanded that he respond. But again, we don't see the disciples meeting those needs of love. But Jesus says this as he raises the standard of love. He says, you are to love one another as I have loved you. There is an emphasis here on laying down his life. He says that there is no greater love than when someone were to, is to lay down their life. We, we celebrated that on Friday. How Jesus went to the cross, he laid down his life. And then, again, this is what we celebrate today. God raised him from the dead. But there is an emphasis here on laying down our lives. Because for us to love one another, for us to, to love God the way that Jesus has raised the standard, we have to lay down our lives. But in order to do that, we also then have to become more selfless. This doesn't mean that we should think poorly of ourselves, but it means that we should think more of other people. It means that we should think about other people's needs over ours. You see, there's a contradiction between biblical love and, and worldly love, and that contradiction is this. God wants us to love to give. The world wants us to love to get. They're incompatible, really. There there is a love where we give it, where we care for others, and there is a a love where we just receive. And it, it just continues to feed into a selfishness which we all at times have. But the standard is for us to love As Christ loves us. This is what he's saying to his disciples. And the reason that this is so relevant to us today is because as Jesus was walking with his disciples, he would have heard them or or even known the motives of their hearts as they were wanting to jockey for positions of power, jockeying for positions of authority. Jesus knew all of that. And and Jesus taught about the kingdom of God and the disciples heard that and yet they still had their own motives that were being stirred within their hearts. They still had their own plans, their own agenda. But Jesus says what you need to do is you need to lay that down and you need to love other people as I have loved you. He, He raised the standard of love. For us to know the greater love, we have to allow Jesus to raise our standards. But then Jesus invites his disciples in. We continue in verse 14. And Jesus said this, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. But there's a connection word. There's a link here as Jesus invites his disciples in, and, and the connection to friendship is obedience. Th- this is what Jesus was calling for His disciples to do, is to become obedient. But what really is impactful to me about the way that Jesus invited His disciples in is even though Jesus, knowing everything, knowing the motives of their hearts and knows the motives of our hearts, rather than Jesus saying, If you guys want to be selfish, I'm going to push you away. I'm going to establish some new parameters. I'm going to lay up some boundaries between us because I don't want you to be close to me. Rather than doing that, Jesus invited the disciples in. And that's the love that God has for us as well. This love is profound because there is not one single person here today who lives perfectly, even one single day or much, much less one single week or one single year. And God doesn't say, because you can't reach the standard, I'm going to push you away. Instead, God continues to invite us into relationship. The Bible tells us that he calls us friends and we are to be obedient. That's the level of intimacy that Jesus has. But our response, our obedience allows us to see how we're going to uh, welcome that intimate connection as Jesus continues to invite us in. Jesus tells his disciples, I have taught you everything that God the Father has taught me. He hasn't withheld any, any secrets from the disciples. I remember at one point, one of the disciples says to Jesus, they say, Jesus, we want to see God. Jesus' response to the disciple was, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus, being fully God, who had come to earth, of course, to die, pay for our sin, be raised from the dead, conquering death, Jesus was fully God. But he also, on earth, was fully human, to be able to identify with us. So Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But he doesn't try to conceal things because he desires, as he invites his disciples in, he desires for them to know who God is. The passion for Jesus. To teach on who God is because when we know who God is, we will come to know his character, his goodness, his his attributes. And as we do that, we will love him more. We, We can't know who God is and not continue to love him more, especially with his love that he pours out towards us. But again, this is the same group that Jesus is inviting in, who he spent three years with them. And I, and I have to wonder, at some point, did Jesus ever have the thought, I mean, again, he was fully human, did he ever have the thought, these guys are never going to get it. I think that he didn't because he's good. I think that I would have because I'm not always good. But I think of the time that the disciples came to Jesus. And what did they ask him? Jesus, how many times do we need to forgive someone? And Jesus said 70 times 7 this is so impactful because, again, it demonstrates the love that God offers. In, in, in the face of what the, when the world wants to push people away, Jesus continues to invite them in. We live in what's known today as the cancel culture. For those of you who might be above 40 or 45, if you haven't heard of the cancel culture, it's where when somebody says something that you disagree with, you stop following them. You stop friending them. You don't, you don't just let that filter through the, the grid of knowledge that you have. You just totally dismiss them. The other day, speaking of older ages, the other day I, I was with my uh, daughter and, and every single time I don't get something with technology now, she mutters under her breath, Boomer. <laughs> I just missed that generation, but somehow she lumps me in with that. But, you know, being a godly pastor, I offer forgiveness. (laughs) But that's what God desires, right? For us to offer forgiveness. And not to just push people away because they don't agree with us. Not just to push people away because they upset us. Jesus modeled this forgiveness. And he continued to invite in. He continued to lay his life down. He continued to raise the standard Jesus was inviting them to know and experience a greater love. Jesus invites us into that as well. And that's so important because there's not a time, there's not a a person that doesn't have times where we experience this thought that God cannot love us. How could God continue to love me when I do things that I don't want to do? when when I don't serve God well. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I forgive. We need to ask for forgiveness. That's what 1 John 1, 9 teaches. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. He will forgive us. But Jesus continues to invite us in to relationship, to forgiveness, to experience that freedom. But also, Jesus calls us to love. He calls us to love. In verse 16, He continued and he says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that the fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the name of my Father, he may give it to you. These things I commanded to you so that you would love one another. Jesus calls us to love. In fact, he tells his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. God chooses us to demonstrate his love toward us while we were still sinners. God chooses us that we can know the greater love that he offers. He chooses us and he appoints us in order to do what? The Bible tells us, this text tells us, to bear fruit. If you look in Galatians chapter 5 at the fruit of the Spirit that God wants to develop within us, the very first fruit that's listed Is love. The very first fruit that is listed in that scripture is love. And the second one is joy. And there is a connection. Because when you look at people who are the most loving people that that love and they give, not they're not doing it to get, but they're giving love. They are the most joyful people that you can be around. You can assess, even at times, your level of love. By your joy. The more you love others, like Jesus commands, the more joy the Spirit of God will give to us. Sometimes I think about how Jesus says, if you ask anything then in my Father's name, he will give it to you. But that doesn't always happen in our lives, right? There, There are times where we pray for God to perform a miracle or to do a miracle in someone's health or in a financial situation. And we don't always see those miracles answered that way, but this is what Jesus tells his disciples. This is what Jesus tells us, that we can ask anything. But there are times where God chooses to withhold the answer to our prayer, or there are times where he chooses to modify our hearts. But there are also times where we are hindering our prayer life. See, the Bible tells us that when we are obedient to these things, then we can ask, well, what are these things? The first thing is to love. If we don't demonstrate love toward other people, that will hinder our prayers. If we do not demonstrate a genuine love towards people, our prayers will be hindered. That's exactly what Jesus is teaching the disciples here. But what's another thing? Unforgiveness. When we have unforgiveness In our heart, we have our prayers hindered. This is something that every single one of us wrestles through at different times. That doesn't mean that that we shouldn't uh, experience the pain of hurt. I would say just the opposite. But as we experience the pain of hurt or the pain of loss or the pain of uh, being ridiculed, that we allow Jesus to comfort us in that. And as he comforts us, we're able to give forgiveness. We can say in our, in our hearts, we can say, that really hurt, but I forgive you. Because that's what God does toward us. When we do things that we wish we wouldn't have done or sin or things like that, God doesn't say, oh, it's, it's just forgiven. We ask for forgiveness and he freely gives it to us because of his love. That's what we celebrate On Easter Sunday, we celebrate that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us so that our lives impact the community, so that our lives impact our families, so that our lives impact others. God desires to continue to draw people to himself, and this is most done, again, through our lives. In fact, Jesus commands us to live with love. Jesus commands us to live with love. Knowing the greater love has so impacted the author John. It so changed his life that he had gone from a hardened fisherman. He had gone from the person in Luke chapter 9 where he had gone into a town. They rejected him. They rejected Jesus. They rejected the message. And John's response in that moment was Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven? Should we, I mean, should we do that, Jesus? Call down uh, fire from heaven? Destroy this whole place? And Jesus, of course, was like, no. But as a result of John being so impacted by the love of God, there is no author, no gospel author, who uses the word love more than John. He then, of course, uses it even more in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, the book of Revelation. What was wrong with the very first church? They had left their first love. But also, John's gospel tells us the story of Peter. Right before Jesus was arrested and, of course, then crucified, Peter denies Jesus three times. And it's John's gospel that tells us the details of Jesus going to Peter and when he goes to Peter, he asks Peter the same question three times. Peter, do you love me? The reason that this is so important is because love gripped John's heart. And when love gripped John's heart, he began to write through the lens of love. He, he began to see it in everything that Jesus had taught him. He began to, to write it down in the ways that Jesus had instructed him. He began to see things through the lens of love writing it, teaching it, and living it. That's the mission of Hope Church. This is what God calls us to do, that we are to love one another like Jesus loves us. We say here that we want to love like Jesus. And it isn't just because that's what we're about. We are going to love like Jesus because this is what Jesus is about. It isn't just what we say, it's who we are it's the way that god has called for us to live in fact the bible tells us commands he commands us to love in john chapter 13 jesus says to his disciples that by your love for one another the world will know you are my disciples by the way that you love Hope Church is going to be a church that demonstrates the love of Jesus to this community. Hope Church is a church that will demonstrate the love of Jesus to our families, to our friends, because this is what Jesus calls us to do, to love like Jesus. We don't do that in order to get something from God. We do that because we have received something from him. And that's the Holy Spirit. We don't love others this way in our own strength. We love others in this way through his strength. As we follow Jesus, we continue to love like Jesus. Now, I've talked about how important it is as Christians who are following Jesus, but I also realize this that there may be someone who's here this morning who's never surrendered their life to Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or come up front, but in the stillness of your heart, you know if God is stirring you to surrender to him. And what I want to do is, in this time of prayer, I want to invite you to, in the stillness of your heart, with God, If that's you, I want to invite you to to pray with me and commit your life to Jesus. But as a church, let's do this together. Lord Jesus, first, we thank you for the the gift of your love, which has been demonstrated to us through the cross and, and the power of that through the resurrection of Jesus. We want to be people who love you well, Lord, and who demonstrate that love to others. But for anybody who's listening right now who's never made that commitment to you, God, we pray that your spirit would stir them, that they would ask you, Jesus, right now to forgive them of their sins, that they would surrender to you, that they would ask you for the forgiveness of their sins, that they would invite you into their heart, and that they would live for you And God, this is our prayer as a church this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. To learn more about Hope Community Church, go to hccalive.com and click on the hub. Don't forget to subscribe and may we continue to love like Jesus.